It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. The Wise Money Show is brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes Team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Welcome to another episode of Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. My name is Mike Bernard. I am your host. I'm also one of the certified financial planners on the show. You've got three of them in the room today. Certified financial planner Josh Gregory, certified financial planner and CPA and tax expert, all-around good guy. Back in the room, Ryan Fair. Wow. Awesome. I wasn't sure he was going to say your name. After I know. That. I was wondering <laughs> who he was talking there, about man. for a second. <laughs> then I remembered I have to do his return here coming up That's in the next right. couple of weeks. So there he's trying go. to suck up. Next couple of months. <laughs> well, yeah. listen, guys, we are halfway through tax season now. And uh, Ryan and the rest of our tax professionals have had a lot of experience in seeing what's going well with clients' taxes, maybe even uh, some mistakes that they've helped uncover. Um, we're going to be sharing that with you today how you can approach the rest of this tax season here with CPA, Ryan Fair, back in the studio to give you a perspective and insight on this hour of Wise Money. That's right. If you have any questions, we're going to be hitting them in the second half of the program. Reach out to us. You can call or text 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000. Online, wisemoneyradio.com. There's a spot right there on the right where you can leave questions. And then Wherever you're at on social media, the Wise Money Show is there as well. You can find us wherever you're at. You can submit questions there as well. We will get back to you in any one of those areas. We'll get back to you, and we'll also air your question, uh, assuming it's not confidential in nature, on an upcoming program. So, All right. Have you ever um, been driving along the road? you got your GPS going on, and maybe you're unfamiliar, and GPS is going, and then all of a sudden the GPS like just – ad-libs and says, you are on the fastest route. You will arrive at your destination at whatever time. And I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I always get this sort of weird satisfaction from that. Like, yes, I am going the right way. And you're good at following directions, I, well, nice. so, but, but the validation that, you know what, I was set on a course and yeah, Google Maps, you're the one that told me to take this course anyway. But like halfway through when they say, hey, we just did the analysis again, you're still going on the fastest route. I just like that. And um, so that's where we're at right now. That's why uh, it's kind of silly analogy, but why we invited Ryan back in the studio. We're sort of halfway through tax season and um, you know, Ryan's here to tell us, hey, are we still on the fastest on the fastest route? So how's it going so far, Ryan? What are some of the key learnings? We're all going to talk about that, but Ryan, why don't you lead us? Yeah, Mike, I first, I, I wanted to let you know my GPS on the way in this morning and said, please get back on the road. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> please turn around and get on the road. Why? <laughs> Stop. No. Yes. Why are you sitting in this parking lot just slamming your hands on the steering wheel? <laughs> yeah. So We're so, in the middle of tax season. That's why. Yeah. So, so no, everything is going well. It is fun to, uh, to know that we are halfway into this and that we've got another uh, month, a little over a month remaining. Um, but yeah, everything is going well. We're, our team's off to a good start. Um, it, we've got our goals that we're tracking towards, and so far we are on track with all of those goals. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always have fun calculating those every week to to show the roadmap or show the course and the path that we are on. Yeah, I mean, doing uh, you know like twenty seven hundred returns in right. a 
few weeks is that's a you lot. You got to break it down into bite-sized pieces, otherwise you'd get overwhelmed, wouldn't yeah, you? Yeah. Well, you still get overwhelmed, but it <laughs> it, uh, it does help at least keep your sight on the the end goal and knowing you know you're you're heading on the right path, the right trajectory for the team to to help all the clients that that we can this year. So so key learnings thus far. Anything uh, anything no, standing yeah. out? Yeah, really the. After last tax season, uh, the the good thing or the exciting thing about this tax season so far is that there really aren't a hu- a bunch of huge tax changes that we are all scrambling to try to learn and learn you know how to implement the new changes and stuff that are that are in place. So this year has so far been a, a a fairly peaceful tax season, if there is such a thing. Mm. So so there's there's just not the volume of changes that we've had in years past, especially last year. Um, we just haven't had the number of changes. So it's it's kind of nice. It feels like you're in familiar territory with a second year of similar yeah. you know, laws. Un- yeah. Unless something has changed in someone's individual life, right? Absolutely. There haven't been any big sweeping tax law changes, as you mentioned, especially not compared to what we experienced last year. But I mean, every family out there has a potential at some point or another to reach this transition point or certain milestones, certain ages where what yeah. you once understood about your tax picture is now different, right? Absolutely. Could be that you launch some kids from the nest or you bring a new baby into the world. Yep. Uh, could be that uh, you have a, a child, son or daughter who reaches age 17 and that costs you 1500 bucks right off the bat. Could be a child who leaves college and, and that changes things. So. Um, you know, what we're always kind of training our eyes to watch for are what are those life-changing events, those decision points or crossroads that could potentially have a tax impact, and how, how do we make sure we get out in front of it so that you don't have a surprise this time of year? My, my big takeaway thus far, and I'm sort of reminded of this uh, each year, and it's sort of going to segue into kind of the next topic, it's... Um, just the value of the tax planning process and the tax planning work. And there's there's a few returns that I look at for new relationships and it's there's a little bit of regret thinking, oh, I wish we had been doing planning. I right. wish we'd started early. I, I wish they would have come in earlier and we'd have started the tax planning process sooner. We'll get the tax planning right moving forward, but looking back at how the return ended up, gosh, there were some opportunities that went um, unused that really would have been a meaningful improvement. So, um, you know, can I give an example of that? Yeah. Every once in a while, we'll be working with a client and um, maybe we took too conservative of an approach with the investments or with the the tax return itself. And you realize this time of year that maybe someone is paying tax on too little income. Mm -hmm. And that might be strange to, to say out loud, but what if it turns out that you're in a really great tax bracket this year and you had plenty of room to go a little higher in that tax bracket before you were going to reach the next one? Well, I, I don't know. I mean, that's a great place to be. You probably like the the look of your tax return. You like the results. But I look at that and I'm like, oh, doggone it. Did, did we miss an opportunity here yep. to do something like a Roth conversion? Maybe that's a, a, an artificial way to create some extra income on your tax return. Pay tax on that extra income at today's really great low rate that, you, that everybody's loving and avoid it in the future at potentially a, a higher rate. So 
Yeah, I mean, inevitably we get to this time of year and they're like, oh, you know, we could have pushed a little harder. We could right. have um, maybe done just a little bit more. And uh, and often I kind of point the finger at, oh, well, we were just being a little too conservative yep. maybe. I'm trying to be careful. Yep. All right. So if you're a fan of the Wise Money Show, you have heard me talk about the three questions that I ask every tax season. And I ask for my clients, right? Your certified financial planner who's doing one plan for you should be asking these three questions for you. And whether or not you're using a certified financial planner, I would still argue you have to ask yourself these three questions. Every time you get your taxes done, you've got to ask yourself these three questions. We're going to break them down. The first one, the first question you need to ask yourself as you're getting your return done is, why did I get the result that I got? Do I understand this outcome? And is it accurate? So all of that wrapped into one. I mean, that is, why'd you get the result that you got? So um, so what is that and what isn't that? So, so how do you need to be a tax expert to understand why you got the result that you got? No, you don't need to be a tax expert, but you need to be able to rely on a tax expert to help educate you. That's one of our core values. Part of our mission here at Corhorn Financial Group is education. We want every client that leaves the office with a completed tax return to be able to answer that question, do I understand why it turned out the way that it did? Yep. So anybody that has a face-to-face tax preparation meeting with one of our planners, we when we finalize the return, we go through it line by line with the with the client and help explain, just show where the numbers came from, what they what they mean. Same thing, even if you drop off your taxes and have us do them, when we're when we've completed the return, part of our delivery process is we call, let you know, have you come in and meet with somebody, even if it's for a, even if it's for just a five minute delivery to run through and show you where the numbers came from and what they mean. Right. So you don't need to be a tax expert, but you need someone to sort of interpret it. Right. And even that, so that process gives you clarity and confidence. But even sometimes as you're walking through that, you realize you missed something or you didn't provide uh, some some key information so that um, this return needs to get updated, needs to be accurate. So so more on that. And then the couple other questions you need to ask yourself every time you get your taxes done. So that more coming up here on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Every year when you get your taxes done, what are the three questions you need to ask yourself and answer before you say, all right, this return is done on to, you know, more <laughs> on to more fun. We're, hit, we're hitting that today with you. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being with us. My name is Mike Bernard here with me in the KFG studios Ryan Fair is with us, as well as Josh Gregory. I want to say thank you to the attorneys at South Bank Legal, as well as First State Bank, for making the Wise Money Show possible. And then also, to stay up to date on all Wise Money content, you'll find us online, wisemoneyradio.com. And then wherever you're at in social media, we are there too. Just search the Wise Money Show. All right. Every year, you dread tax season, and you dread getting your taxes done. I'm just just kidding. But Maybe for some, for some, for some, and uh, but really, we talk about the planning process as really a year-round touch point and analysis, just to make sure you're doing everything you should be doing to have the best tax result, pay the least amount of tax over your lifetime. Part of that, 
I've just sort of condensed it down to every year you get your taxes done, you've got to ask yourself three questions. And the first one is that we're explaining is, do I know why I got the result that I got? And I would argue that part of the reason why you need to answer that question is you need to make sure it's accurate. Oftentimes, we fool ourselves into thinking that a good return, a good tax season is one where I got a refund. And, and that's not actually the case because you could just have more in withholdings or pay estimates and you can force yourself to get a refund. Mm-hmm. I think what you actually mean is I want to make sure I got all the deductions that I'm supposed to get. And that's an accurate return. And so you want to know why you got the result and go through it with someone so that you know, yeah, I've captured everything. I've got all the income reported and I've captured all my deductions. Yep, I got it. That's right. And uh, it's kind of quality control opportunity for you to talk through the return with whoever did prepare it for you. Make sure that you equip them to be able to capture everything. Maybe they misinterpreted some notes that you left or they overlooked a certain statement or maybe there's something sitting in your mailbox that they actually need to see in order to get it more right than what the current draft looks like. And to me, the only way to accomplish this is to, to truly understand the, the tax return by sitting down with the preparer or someone who can walk, it, walk you through that return and help you uh, really understand why the income level is what it is, why the tax ultimately lands where it is. This shouldn't be something that you just breeze through. You know, if I, I have people describe to me often, uh, you know, their their tax experience with other other offices, and they just say, you know what, I drop off all my documents, and then I wait for the phone to ring, and they tell me when to come pick it up. I sign at the front desk, and I and I leave. If if your tax process picking it up and understanding it, you can do that while the car is still running in the parking lot then you're not spending enough time and giving it enough attention. This isn't like picking up your dry cleaning, right? <laughs> this, is, this is something where you need to really truly understand it because understanding how last year uh, shook out is the basis for the next questions that you, mm-hmm. you demand that we ask, right? So Ryan, as you're, as you're meeting with folks and, and doing taxes, you know everyone comes in with different level of comfort and yeah. some people break out in hives over taxes alone. <laughs> And so, so how do you, I mean, is it, is it, is there a way to make it palatable for everyone so that you can talk in real human terms and help them understand their return? I hope, I mean, yeah, I think it, I think it is possible. I hope that I do a good job at doing that with, with clients. Mm -hmm. Um, And I always encourage, you know, ask questions. If you don't understand, this is your life. This is your money. It's, you know, basically your whole life summarized financially is on your tax return. You need to understand it. With decades of experience and thousands of reps each year, you know, we we get pretty good at saying, hey, here's where your income came in. This is your pension. This is your IRA. Here's how much was withheld. Here's blah, blah, blah. And make it palatable and jargon free. So, yeah. yeah. All right. So once you know you've got an accurate return and you know why you got the result, you then need to move on to the second question. And that is, what can I still do to improve this return before I file it? Yeah. We love that question. Exactly. It should be sort of a break point in the process where you pause. You, you don't just see the number at the bottom that you're going to get in a refund and say, okay, quick, where do I sign? How quickly can I get that refund? Boy, I can't wait. Mm-hmm. No, let's, let's pause for a moment and say, yeah, is there actually some further improving that you could possibly do before the, the return gets filed? 
There are many tax-saving opportunities that still exist this time of year. They don't go away until April 15th. We're talking about things like contributing to a health savings account can I, for last year. Can I touch on that one? Sure. Just, I had a couple experiences like this, and, and, I, and I love it, is when you're sitting down, you've got the completed return, and I'm going over it line by line. And, um, and in this scenario I'm thinking of, it's about a $4,000 tax ref- refund. So uh, client's happy. And that's what we were expecting anyway. But they hadn't maxed out their HSA. And so before you start thinking about the flat screen TV or a spring break or whatever, no. I'm just teasing. It's, hey, hey, what are you going to do with this money? Well, yeah, I'm probably going to the bank. You know. Well, what if you took this refund and put it in, into your HSA for last year? Because if you commit to doing that, I can update this return and your refund, instead of being 4000 will be closer to 5000 and 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 you've got your HSA full for the year just in case anyone slips and breaks their arm or whatever, right? So it's a way to, to optimize that refund. How many right? people take you up on that offer? Just about everyone. Yeah. Just about everyone. Because you're a persuasive guy. You I show guess. them why that is, is important. Mm-hmm. And... And I think that's wise, but a lot of people, as soon as they hear the four thousand, it's yeah, that money is spent in their in their mind. And now I'm the same way. I'm the same way. And and oftentimes it just takes someone pointing out a different alternative. And and but the reason why it's it's nearly successful every time is when you tell someone, okay, now your refund's not four, it's five, and they're, oh my goodness, well yeah, I'll put four of it into an HSA and get my get a thousand back instead. Yep. So. And anyway. the nice thing is you can still get a flat screen TV for yeah, a thousand bucks these days, right? Yeah. 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 So <laughs> so contribu- contributions. Um, Ryan, there's another one that you mention all the time to uh, to my boredom, and that is <laughs> that is depreciation. No offense. Right? Like yeah. you, you got the return. It's about to be final. And then I know you've done this with a lot of small business owners. You say, here's how we did depreciation. Should we adjust it a little bit? Yep, absolutely. So yeah, talking through how much do they really need to or want to write off this year for that special piece of equipment that they added to the added to the company, because uh, it has impacts for this year as well as many years to come. So mm-hmm. th- this is all of our farm clients, all of our small business owners, our sole proprietors across the board. The, the depreciation implications are are really large anymore, and with the tax laws in recent years, you're allowed to write off a whole bunch, which of course is a good idea, but not always. Yeah. yeah it's right not always. It. It's one of those things where you got to consider the future, what your tax situation is going to be like in the future, uh, how long you're going to keep that piece of equipment, you know, what the, you know, when you sell, when you sell it, sell it, what's yeah. the uh, impact then? And, and, and keep this in mind as well, because I, I think you're so wise to point that out, Ryan. It's often a knee-jerk reaction or maybe sort of the default to just give me all the tax savings I can get right now right. because it means money in my pocket, yep. and I've got things I could do with that money. However, some of the reasons to pause and maybe postpone even some of those, those tax write-offs, you find those, those good reasons in other areas of your financial life. For example, do you have a son or daughter that's on their way off to college in the next year or two, and you're going to be filling out uh, financial aid applications and things. Mm. You know, y- your income level goes into the calculation on how much need um, there's there's going to be and therefore how much financial aid you could be eligible for. Your decision on that yep. depreciation could have an impact. 
Or what about this one? Maybe you're, uh, you're over age 65 and you're on Medicare. If your income creeps too high, you may start paying higher premiums on your Medicare Part B where they pull it right out of your Social Security. That could be an unintended consequence by you not pausing long enough to say, okay, why is my tax picture this way and what could I do differently with it? One other thing I'd mention as we're looking at, well, before you file that return, before you sign that e-file and submit it, what else can you do? We talked about, well, you can fund an HSA or IRA or Roth and so on, but I would just I would just up the ante a little bit. And for those of you that your adjusted gross income, so the the um, your income before some of the standard deduction, itemized deduction, um, if you're at a th- at a key threshold there then you've got to pause. If, if you're going to um, have to pay back a bunch of premium tax credits or you're not going to get the retirement savers credit or you're going to miss out on some American opportunity tax credits, um, I know there's a lot of jargon there, but I'm doing that for speed. And the, you've got to look and see what can I do to maximize those credits. So that and the third question coming up here on The Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Before you file your taxes this year, do you know what's going to change for this upcoming year? All right, that's what we're talking about today. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being with us. My name is Mike here with me in the KFG studios, Josh Gregory and special guest Ryan Fair. Thank you to Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies as well as Diane Bennett and her inspired team for making the Wise Money Show possible. If you are not watching this episode on the YouTube channel, just public service announcement, we've got a YouTube channel. So you can find us there on YouTube. Just search the Wise Money Show. Every episode we record, there's bonus content over the breaks. You're able to submit questions right there as well. I'd encourage you to subscribe to it when you go to the YouTube channel because we submit other videos as well throughout the month about key things that are happening in the economy and finance world, and then also just your next wise steps. We've got a a vlog that comes out as well. So go to the Wise Money Show on YouTube, subscribe to it. Thank you very much. All right, so there's three questions every year you get your taxes done that you need to answer before you say that return is done. The first is, do I understand why I got the result that I got? Okay, number two, which we just sort of hit is, well, is there anything I can still do to improve last year's return? Something, can I do this before I file and improve my refund or improve my tax situation? We love that one. Our favorite though is the third question. And it's, all right, what's changing this year? And what can I do right now to improve my tax situation a year from today? Absolutely. You know, this really is um, where we start turning the attention from tax preparation to tax planning, right? This is you looking forward into the future, not even just this coming year, you know, for for 2020, but I I want you thinking about 2021 and beyond as well, because the things that you could be doing to improve your overall tax picture, it's never too early to start getting those on your radar screen, right? Yep. Um, so, for example, if you discovered, man, I really underwithheld on on taxes out of my paycheck this past year. Well, guess what? It's still early enough in the year that if you make an adjustment now, 
You don't have to repeat that same mistake next year, right? Uh, or, or maybe you have your financial life is changing enough that maybe you could afford to increase your retirement contributions at work, and that would have a positive impact on next year's tax return. Well, now's the time to start implementing something like that if, mm-hmm. if that fits in your overall financial plan. The, the earlier in the year that you can discover these things that will improve next year's return, obviously the better because you spread out the sacrifice uh, across more months in this calendar year. That's right. One of yeah. the <laughs> one of uh, one of the other things that you need to be thinking about right now. Speaking of retirement contributions, is it's still early in the year, and so should I should I change how much I'm contributing to my 401k, to my IRA, to my HSA? Ryan, what are those limits? Because a couple of them changed for this upcoming year. So yeah, for the 401ks, 403bs, those in particular did increase uh, between 19 and 2020. So they went up by $500 for uh, individual that's under age 50. So now they can contribute up to $19,500. Once they do reach age 50 or older, they can go all the way up to $26,000 for their 2020 contributions into the retirement plans. That's yep. huge. That is. Yep. yep. IRAs, uh, traditional and Roth, those did stay the same year after year. Um, and then the simple IRAs did also go up $500. The health savings account, we talk about that a lot. That's, that's kind of the Swiss Army knife, uh, Swiss Army knife of financial instruments. Um, for an individual, now, again, you've got to have a, a qualified, high-deductible health plan, and you can't have any other health insurance in order to deduct your contribution, okay? And if you meet those two criteria and it's a single individual plan, then your contribution limit is 3550 That's an increase of 50 bucks. And then family contribution, if you've got family coverage, $7,100. That's an increase of 100 bucks. And each of those, if you're 55 or older, you're allowed to do an extra 1000 on top of that for catch-up. Yep. So. You know, uh, Mike, you, you presented this show as kind of a reminder that when you're doing your taxes, you need to ask three questions, right? The first one was, why is my tax return the way that it is, right? Like, why, why did I get these particular results? And then hopefully pause long enough to ask, what could I do about last year's tax return still? But sometimes a lot of the great ideas, they've already come and gone, and, and there may not be things that you could do to affect last year. But that's why we turn the attention to next year, because it's not too late for many of those things. Some of you may be looking at uh, your 2019 tax return and realizing, boy, some of my investments kicked off more income to me than I ever realized that they would. Okay, this is a a problem that sometimes happens when you have mutual funds or, or other investments that are not sheltered underneath a tax umbrella like an IRA or a Roth IRA maybe even a 401k at work. When you just hold some mutual funds in your own individual name, or maybe you own them jointly with a spouse or in a trust, as those investments generate interest or dividends or capital gains, you have to count them on your tax return each year. And that may or may not be the most efficient place for you to be housing those dollars. It, it may make sense for you to use some of this money to get heavier contributions into those those retirement accounts, 
or maybe education accounts where at least as they make money, you don't get hit with taxes along the way. Yep. So that's something to begin turning your attention to even right now um, because you, you need to, as the carpenters say, measure twice, cut once on, on some of these changes within your, your uh, investment portfolio because it has tax ramifications. Other big thing. Oh, go ahead, Ryan. No, I was just I was changing topics on you to another <laughs> another planning opportunity. Um, I was I'm always a big fan of the qualified charitable distribution. I feel like I bring it up on every show, but that is a super planning opportunity for a lot of our elderly clients that are taking their required minimum distributions out of their IRA. It, if they just kind of do the normal thing, they take the distribution, they pay tax on that on their tax return. They may also be charitably inclined in contributing to their church or to their favorite nonprofit. With the standard deduction going up so significantly as part of the new tax law, most of our clients are not itemizing, especially the elderly clients that, you know, their mortgage is paid off. They don't have that deduction anymore. You know, they're getting no benefit by giving to the charitable organization that they choose. They can do they can send the money directly from their IRA to the charitable organization. It never shows up on the front page of their tax return, which means they are getting a charitable contribution deduction. Yeah, it's awesome. You have to be age 70 and a half. Yep. And if you are 70 and a half, we're not saying you're elderly, well, uh, no, even though Ryan used that word twice here. I, uh, <laughs> I just lost some fans. Exactly. You're going to get hate mail here. But um, no, the, the reality is, is that you have to reach that age 70 and a half before you're even eligible to do this. But then for the rest of your life, you have to pull money out of those IRAs and those 401ks. This is just a clever way for you to do it more tax efficiently. Right. And then that by not having that IRA distribution show up on your tax return as income, that opens the door for other planning opportunities that that are tied right along with and, it. And you're right. Now is the time to be doing this because right. I've brought that up with a lot of new clients as I see them in the fall and they say, oh, well, we contribute to the church every single month and we've been yeah. just doing it out of our pay or out of our cash flow. And it's like, oh yeah, okay, maybe we'll start that next year, you know? And so now's the time to be thinking about that. Mm-hmm. Josh has brought up a couple of times, you've got a child turning age 17. That's a big, big change. So you got to be looking at it at your tax situation this year, thinking, do I have any kids turning 17? Do I have any kids that are graduating college or maybe uh, just got off the payroll or not full-time student, something like that? You gotta be looking at all those things. Yeah, because the the college one, just as a reminder too, that that ends up being a big deal when you're losing out on the the American Opportunity Tax Credit or the Lifetime Learning Credit. Could be $2,500, plus you lose that other family member tax credit of $500. That could be a $3,000 swing in the actual tax due. And if you are not eligible for it right now, but you're close, right. maybe you could do some creative planning this year to make yourself eligible for that, that tax savings. You know what really hurts? I've had a couple of clients where their twins just, just graduated college. And it's like, all right. I mean, that is a huge yep. swing. So right. the withholding. Yeah, that, that's, that's pretty crazy. So... All right, we're, we've got a great question here from Tim, and I think it's a question, especially as you listen to a lot of other uh, financial folks, it's a big question right now because one's more popular than the other, and that is how you should fund your 401k. So we've got that and more coming up here on The Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group.
This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. The Wise Money Show is brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes Team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Thank you so much for being with us today. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, Josh Gregory and special guest CPA, CFP, Ryan Fair. We've pulled him away from tax returns for just a second. I could barely get into his office. Uh, and I think you had to crawl out. Is that right? Or did you go out the window? I flew out the window. Okay. Got it. Got it. First. <laughs> All right. If you've missed anything and you love listening to podcasts, you'll find the Wise Money Show on podcasts as well. Wherever you listen to podcasts, you'll find us there. Just search the Wise Money Show. And if you would, please rate the show, subscribe to it, and leave a comment as well. We appreciate it. All right. We're jumping into questions from fans of the show. The first one is tied to the second one and very interesting. And it's something that I assume if you're listening to the Wise Money Show, you you may be um, trying, trying to be a sponge and soak up as much financial information as possible. And so we might not be the only... Um, might not be the only financial media that you listen to. If you listen to this and others, would you say that uh, the battle between pre-tax and Roth is won? Like Roth, everyone loves Roth. And it seems like if you're just reading something, if you're just getting financial information, you would think that the Roth is the best thing since sliced bread. So... Tim is a fan of the show. He's 54 from Elkhart, and he's asking that question, and he's done it in a way that we are trying to train you on, and that is there's no bias here. You've got to look at your situation every single year from a tax standpoint. Which one's best? So Tim says he's 54. I've always contributed pre-tax to my 401k. Is that still the best option, or should I choose Roth? And if I were to add on what Tim's really saying is, how do I know which one's best for me? Right. Right. Well, and at the very least, I think Tim is referring to what always used to be conventional wisdom. I mean, the, the 401k was born at a, at a time when the goal was, I want to save money in taxes this year. I want to postpone some of my income so that I pay less taxes now. And instead, I'll settle for taking my lumps. I'll, I'll uh, pay my taxes when I get to retirement and I believe at that time I'll be in a lower tax bracket. That's the, that's the um, bet you're making, essentially, when you make contributions to a pre-tax or a traditional 401k. Same idea with a traditional IRA, by the way. You believe that you're in a high tax bracket today, you'll be in a lower one in the future. But what if that's not true, right? And we've, we've raised this question a lot on this show um, it is part of the reason why the, the Roth 401k, if you're eligible for it, your employer has to, to make that feature available to you. But uh, if you're eligible for it at work, the Roth 401k is at least something you need to consider. And that's just simply because the tax laws in this nation are very, very low right now, at least when you compare it to historical standards or historical perspectives. Mm. So is it possible... Tim, that maybe you're uh, in a reasonable tax bracket today. And what if even though your income goes up, or sorry, even if your income goes down in retirement, the tax laws themselves change 
And so even with lower income in the future, is it possible that maybe you could be in just as high a tax bracket? Ryan, we do you, don't know. Yeah. Ryan, do you get this question a lot as you're sitting down belly to belly with some folks doing their taxes? Uh, yeah, we really do. That's part. I mean, this comes up in regular conversation. And it used to be a lot easier even when the tax brackets were, you know, 15 percent to 25 percent. Not the tax brackets have changed. It's an even tougher dilemma, I think, to to figure out the right thing. And you're you're basing your guess or your your advice on what tax rates are going to be down the road, when the client's going to be in retirement, how mm-hmm. much their retirement. There's so many moving variables. You just have to make sure that you understand and discuss them all. But but Tim, you're you're 54. Yep. And um, retirement might be a decade away, even if it's 15 years. You already have some habits in your financial life, and you already have, um, you know, your your nest egg is um, is partially built, and you you've got your habits that kind of can suggest what it's going to look like when it's when it's fully when it's done. It's it would be an assumption, it'd be a guess, but you could, if you're doing comprehensive financial planning, which we call one plan, you can start looking at well what. What do I think retirement's going to look like? And sure, there's the, you could isolate that. Yep, they, the tax laws could change. But there's a way for you to look and say, you know what, though? We expect in retirement you're going to spend this much money. Your Social Security will be this. You've got to no, you don't have a pension or you're not going to do part-time work and there's no rental or blah, blah, blah. And OK, if we were doing your taxes today as a retired person, here's what it would look like. Tim, that might be 15 years from now, but that's not too early. And you could actually do – you see how geeky I am? You see? But you could actually do that math to say – to inform today's dis- decision about should I do pre-tax or Roth? Uh, absolutely. I mean, that is what it it ultimately comes down to is a comparison between what you know today and what you can assume about the future, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I just know – I have a terrible track record of assuming things about the future, though, too. <laughs> well, right? we all do, right? Because I didn't assume that tax rates were going to get better just a year or so ago. Yeah. Because they already were really good. Yeah. I remember when I first started as a financial advisor. This is going back 18, 19 years, basically. And when I first started, you your income put you quickly. You started in the 15% bracket, and then you jumped to the 28% bracket and just kept on going from there. Now they've injected a 10% bracket. You've got a 12% bracket, 22, 24. It, the, the rates themselves are just way more ideal than what I originally learned as a financial advisor. I don't know what it's going to be 10 or 15 or 20 years from now. We can only plan based on what we know today, though. Mm-hmm. And what we do know is that there's coming a day in the future where you're going to be forced to pull money out of your 401k or out of your IRAs. It's called required minimum distributions. So even if you don't want the money, you don't need the money, those IRAs and 401ks are going to force you to pull money out and add add that as income to your tax return. So you might be able to forecast, as Mike was just describing, we can forecast within a reasonable amount. Here's what your required minimum distributions could be when you reach age 70 and a half. Mm -hmm. And maybe that amount alone is enough to cause you to think, boy, I'm going to be in a certain tax bracket um, regardless of what I decide for the rest of my income. Yep, that's that's exactly right. That's exactly the process. So, Tim, I would tell you 
you know, and this isn't this isn't a cop out answer, but you got to be doing comprehensive financial planning. We love the Roth, but what I love more is the best approach for your specific situation. Now, I want to tie in Judy's question. Judy's fifty-one from Napanee. Is the twenty-two percent tax bracket low enough where I should contribute? Where I should consider contributing to the Roth instead of pre-tax? So now it gets more detailed. That's why I coupled these two questions together. In your opinion, is the twenty-two percent a low enough tax bracket where you say, I'd, will, I'd be willing to pay tax at 22 today. I could give you at least one circumstance where I would say it is. Um, I, and I, I've faced this circumstance where you you recognize, I don't know if Judy's married, I don't know if Tim was married, um, but if you're married today and and you found out that one of the spouses had some sort of a diagnosis that was going to be life-shortening for them, um, what that means for the surviving spouse, if, if one of you is going to outlive the other, then one of you is going to someday face a totally different tax picture than what you know today. And I know that because the tax rates that apply to a single individual, unmarried individual, versus a married couple are currently half, basically, right? right. Um, so in other words, it takes half as much income to jump into higher and higher tax brackets if you're single versus if you're married. And so I've encountered uh, some planning opportunities, unfortunately, tragic, sad situations where we knew one spouse was going to be passing away soon. And so all of a sudden our attention turns to, yeah, let's pay the tax now while there's two of us and we're filing a joint return so that our surviving spouse doesn't have to um, pay higher rates in the future on their own. Real quick opinion, Ryan. Yeah, I think 22 is pretty good. You need to take advantage of it. It, it, if it depends on your situation. Yep. You need to be doing tax planning. You need to be looking at those things that Josh just talked about. But all day long, I'd pay tax at 22%. Yep. I just, my goodness, it just. Compared would, to historical rates, especially. I would, I would all day long, I'd pay it. So anyway, but it's got to be based on your specific situation, doing comprehensive financial planning, which we call one plan. So, all right, that is all the time we have for today. Ryan, thanks for being back on the show. On behalf of Ryan Fair, Josh Gregory, myself, and all of us at KFG, have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.